Hi there again, this is Lisa Gonzalez, and this is our second installment of the What You Working On podcast. This is where we talk to people at ILSR and find out what they've got going on. And today we're talking to John Farrell. John is the director of the Democratic Energy Program here at ILSR. Welcome, John. Well, thanks so much for talking with me, Lisa. My pleasure. John and I have offices right next to each other, so we talk to each other all the time, don't we? Whether we want to or not. <laughs> so, John, um, give me a brief overview of the Democratic Energy Program at ILSR. Certainly. Thanks uh, for asking about it. Um, you know, I think I'd, in thinking about it in preparation for this conversation, uh, it really struck me that the simplest way to describe what we're doing with the Democratic Energy Program is to try to help communities keep their energy dollars local by putting them in charge. Um, and really that we do that by uh, providing research on community-based energy and the policies that enable it. We try to translate that into really vivid visual representations of policies and economics. And then we reach out and create collaborations with those communities and with advocacy organizations to accomplish that goal of keeping energy dollars uh, in communities. Give me an example of some of um, your recent resources that you've made available to um, different organizations who are looking for information. Sure. Well, I, you know, it sort of runs the gamut. We, uh, we do the traditional kind of research report that kind of puts all that information in one place. Um, but then we really try to break down that information to a, into lots of different other easy ways for people to access it. So maybe it's an executive summary that's on our website or a blog post, or maybe we'll uh, transform that information into an infographic with some very simple visualizations that summarize the report results. Um, when we actually put out our press release the last time, we released a report um, for our uh, Rooftop Revolution series. Uh, we, we expressed a lot of the information in the form of just like a 10-slide presentation highlighting the enormous opportunity for local solar on rooftops to compete favorably with electricity from the utility over the next decade. We've just put out this, this update on a, in what I call our Rooftop Revolution series, looking at the opportunity from local solar power over the next decade, and have found that you know we could get 10% of our energy, our electricity in the United States from solar by 2022 at a cost lower than we currently pay for our uh, electricity. Uh, and that, could, that would be enough solar to cover over 35 million rooftops. So it's an exciting conclusion from a national study that we're applying in a lot of local and national uh, perspectives. What sort of campaign do you have going on now? I know that there's all sorts of people in our office, and as you mentioned, a lot of this has to do with local initiatives. And I think you're involved with something that local like that right here in Minneapolis, aren't you? I am. It's it's called the Minneapolis Energy Options Campaign, and the goal really is to focus on that question of keeping energy dollars local and, and control over our energy future in the city of Minneapolis. We have two monopoly utilities providing electricity and gas service, and we have a once-in-a-generation opportunity for the city to reevaluate that relationship um, through its what's called its franchise contract with those utilities. And the whole premise of this campaign is that in order to, to get a, a real, serious, credible negotiation with those utilities, that the city needs to have a credible alternative to uh, getting its services from those two uh, monopoly utilities. And that means putting a city utility, a municipal utility, on the ballot uh, in the fall of 2013. Um, and it's just an exciting way for us to apply a lot of our research and our thinking about local energy systems 
uh, to use with a lot of uh, terrific local organizations and individuals that are passionate about um, keeping en- en- uh, dollars in our communities. So I live in Minneapolis, and I get electricity from Excel, and it's fine. You know, I mean, why, why should I care? I mean, I, I know, I understand, yeah, we're going to keep money local, but what are some of the other benefits for me? Well, I think the, the big motivation is that we simply don't have a lot of choices. Um, you know, an example recently is that Excel just put in with the Public Utility Commission to raise rates between 9 and 10% on all of its customers in the state of Minnesota, including those in Minneapolis, um, largely to finance upgrades and repairs to its uh, larger grid system and also to its nuclear power plants. Um, a lot of folks that live in the city of Minneapolis would rather see us investing our energy dollars in renewable energy, whether it's wind or solar or biomass. And we would like to see that energy developed right here in the city. Um, We get less than 1% of our electricity in the city of Minneapolis from renewable energy sources that are actually within our borders, despite having an enormous potential in terms of rooftops and and a a really uh, strong solar resource, as good as that of Florida or Texas. And so... um, there's a clean energy opportunity. There's the fact that utilities, uh, because they make their dollars selling energy, um, are not particularly interested in promoting conservation and energy efficiency, but a city has a very strong interest in that, whether it's from the perspective of saving money for residents and businesses or from the perspective of how can we best uh, address global climate change and our own contribution to that problem. Uh, And so we think that putting the community in charge, whether that means a a strong negotiation with the utilities over these contracts or by forming a municipal utility, will really allow us to address uh, a wide breadth of energy issues that really aren't on the table without that kind of conversation. And some of the other um, groups um, that are involved with the local campaign, um, do you want to mention some of them? Oh, I'd love to share about some of the groups we're working with. Uh, It's just a terrific range of organizations, um, ranging from Environment Minnesota, which does a lot of advocacy on energy, uh, renewable energy, and environmental issues. Grand Aspirations, which works with youth and helps give them training and empowers them to um, use their own know-how and resources to help organize their community around various uh, issues of importance uh, uh, to the environment. Um, Environmental Justice Advocates of Minnesota, very focused on making sure that when we make energy or economic decisions that we do that in a fashion that is fair and just for everyone. Um, Just a terrific number of organizations, the Sierra Club, Minnesota Renewable Energy Society, and and dozens of neighborhood organizations that have endorsed the campaign and are working with us to help spread the word about this opportunity. We're also working on a state-based campaign in Minnesota for a 10% solar energy standard with a a tool called a clean contract for financing that that would make it very, very easy for people to go solar um, by getting a long-term contract. Uh, It's remarkable. We could get to 10% solar by 2030 in Minnesota for a very low cost and get an enormous amount of economic development in our local communities, uh, much more than we would have to pay out uh, over that time frame. Um, So that's one piece that we're working on. Uh, Just in terms of new research, we're looking at what's happened in Ontario, actually. They have a program much like what we're hoping to have here in Minnesota in terms of its simplicity for renewable energy development and its focus on local energy development. And it hasn't worked out as well as they had hoped. And so what we're trying to do is, you know, 
dig into that program over its past two to three years and figure out what are the pieces that do work, what are the pieces that don't work, and how can their vision of, you know, quote, buy local energy uh, work best for Minnesota and for Minneapolis. Well, great. Um, thanks for sharing the information with us, John. Tell us how we can find out more about what you got going on. Sure. Well, folks that are interested in keeping up with the Institute's work on energy and the Democratic Energy Program can always visit our website, ilsr.org. Um, we've got our blog, energyselfrelientstates.org, which is where I post kind of my more frequent updates on uh, sort of current events in the energy world and, and their implications for local communities. We've got an email list with over 500 subscribers. And of course, you can find me on Twitter where I twit with the best of them. Great. Thanks, John. Thank you so much, Lisa. That was John Farrell, director of the Democratic Energy Program at the Institute for Local Self-Reliance, talking to me, Lisa Gonzalez, and giving us all an idea of what he's been working on and what he's going to be working on next. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again next month when we talk to another one of the great minds at the Institute. We also want to thank Latch Swing for their song, Rhythm Gitan, licensed using Creative Commons.